Welcome to Batchadamia, a podcast so educational it could be a university class. With your hosts, Danielle Dick McGue, Kim Hanna, and Bill Henniger. Welcome to Batchadamia. We are here and we are ready to hate Aunt Clayton. Who? Ready to hate on the whole thing. Oh, the whole thing. I agree. I just, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a rough season. It was a rough season. And we're, I mean, like, but we should be pumping ourselves up for the catastrophe that will be next week. I just, I can't even, I can't even imagine what it's going to. I mean, they keep showing more and more of the disaster every week and it just gets worse and worse the more we know the two that are in the i mm. uh even talk i'm beclumped over it i i am curious i i'm still curious to find out how all of this unravels yeah so um before we really jump into things i have a very important question for you kim okay, okay i'm ready what would your dream pre-fantasy suite date be? So I, I want you to say this. going to a tea cellar. Oh, we were just having a conversation. We were just talking about, about it. I, I think I'm going to add that. <laughs> okay. Well, so it could be incorporated because I did a day pre, because I don't know how, like, do they have the full day for the pre-fantasy suites date or... I think so. Like an afternoon. So I did a day pre-fantasy suite date and an evening pre-fantasy suite date. Look at you. I know. Over See, I cheat even when I'm not doing the questions. Um, <laughs> so my day date would start at the farmer's market, hopefully a big one like the Des Moines or the St. Paul or the Minneapolis or some, I don't know where we would be. We didn't specify where we would be on the fantasy suites date. Um, so I would start at the farmer's market where we would drink all the tea and coffee and try all of the wonderful things and trip over all of the big dogs on leashes, which I don't enjoy, but a lot of people like to bring their dogs to the farmer's market. So you, there, there you go. Um, and then we would go to a baseball game and it would be an awesome day. I'm going to tell you right now, it would be 72 degrees and sunny, and we would build our freckles and enjoy everyone around us and have a few drinks and just take in America's pastime. I also did just see that today they got, they, they've all put their big boy pants on and we will have baseball this summer. So that's exciting. Yay. And then after the game, we would go on a boat on a lake because you have to. That's the rule. You have to be on a boat on a lake at some point. And then the evening would be dinner and a show. I like it. And then we'd be so tired that we wouldn't do anything in the fantasy suites other than nap because he's going to have his him, himself and two other girls. And I need to make sure that he's been tested. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I was all that I knew when I was thinking about the my own answer to this question is that I would not want the dune buggy date. No. no. I mean, I think that I would 
enjoy the weird spa like mm -hmm. hot spring state i think i'd enjoy something like that you know let's just lounge i'd need some sort of good food at some point and i also wouldn't mind a date where like we could be like together but not have to pay attention to each other for some of it baseball game Ah, the baseball game. Yeah. So like, I'm a big fan of like, I want to be with someone, but like, I like want to read a novel next to you. Okay. I don't want to like, have to pay attention to you, <laughs> you know? And I think that'd be a good test for, you know, later, mm -hmm. but I, I, yeah, I would just want to stay up all night and talk about all of our dreams for the future. That's right. And what our boundaries are and what we are and are not okay with. Conversations that maybe should happen before five minutes before you're supposed to go in the fantasy suite. Oh my goodness. Well, what a wreck. So this week started with the women tell all, <sighs> which I think has just turned into Jerry Springer like trash. It's awful. Like they're all up standing and screaming at each other. Like some of the pictures looked like someone had like planned a tableau like image. Like it it was ridiculous. Um I really don't have the energy to recap it all. And since we have so much to talk about, I'm not going to but I will say oh, one of my absolute favorite lines was you can go rot in Ohio for all I care. I was like, that is, that's savage. Well, and I think that um, a lot of people are like uh, Southern Ohio is pretty um, economically hit with a lot of the opioid epidemic and the rust belt. And I think there are a lot of people really struggling in Ohio. So maybe Shanae should use her power. I'm, ooh, I even said her name. Maybe the Dementor should use her powers for good and help out the people of Ohio instead of being just a terrible human being. She doesn't seem real. Yeah. At all. It seems it has to be an act, right? Like nobody is that cruel. So here's where I feel like a lot of it feels like a performance. And I've always sort of felt this way a little bit about like the villains and the relationship between the folks in the house, because it does seem that oftentimes they get over it. They become part of Bachelor Nation and then they're just like cool with each other after this. And so I'm interested to sort of see what happens with Shanae. But I will say the one thing I was impressed by is they were they were letting her have it. And she kind of did receive the criticism like a champ. Mm -hmm. I mean, she didn't do anything redeeming. Like, I don't know, take accountability for any of her actions or apologize. But she like... You know, she was, there was a toughness to her. <laughs> I don't think she thinks she did anything wrong. So why would she apologize? Wowzers, to live in that 
headspace. So also tons of DM stuff happening. So apparently like Shanae made up a rumor about Genevieve and Aaron. But then am I right in saying that Shanae's been sliding into Aaron's DMs? That's what I thought. I had to rewind and watch it a couple of times because I was like, are they still talking about Aaron or is this someone else? Did Aaron and- confirm or deny what happened? I Aaron haven't. Keep talking. I'm I going have to check. I have no <laughs> info on that. I have plenty of other stuff I've been reading about, but I, I didn't really read about that. Now, there's also the rumor that Clayton's brother slid into Teddy's DMs and apparently his brothers are denying it. But Clayton's like, oh no, that's, I a thousand percent believe Teddy. Yeah. I, I mean, she's adorable. I say go for it, brothers. Hopefully you have, a, maybe you can show your personality a little sooner than he did and have fun with Have fun with Teddy. I just looked at Aaron's Instagram, by the way, and there's nothing since March 1st. Ah. So he, unless he did it in his stories, which I won't take the time to look at right now, but he doesn't confirm nor deny anything in his grid. He's probably hanging out with nobody. What's his bro brother? Oh, I forgot he had a best friend on Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, the dudes. Aaron and... Oh, they loved each other. It was beautiful. I know. It was so yeah. magical. Can't remember. So I was kind of shocked to learn that Clayton's brother is kind of more of a looker than he is. I agree. You know, go for it, Teddy. I agree. So what else did you think was re- worth repeating from Women Tell All? Um, we need not to forget. There were multiple women in the same dress in different colors. Hmm. Um, and then I thought, I do not like her, but I thought that some of the cheap shots about the Dementor as she was walking down to sit in the hot seat about the fitting of her dress was inappropriate. What does our patron saint Michelle Obama say? When they go low, we go high. We don't make fun of other women's bodies, ladies. We support each other. Yeah, didn't they say something like about like looking like she was wearing a diaper or something? I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. They didn't. I felt like in general, the women just looked like fame seekers, but we can talk about that more. It was, yeah. yeah. The only one who I thought and I, I'm sorry if I'm stepping on what you're about to say, but the only one who had valid things to say, I thought was Marlena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was just like screaming. It's yeah, it was rough. It was rough. It's hard. I've never been a huge fan of women tell all, um, you know, these episodes, I know that you like them sometimes. So right? I, I, well, and I'm new to it, so I've never seen it in a normal fashion, but it is very Jerry Springer, which I definitely sometimes enjoyed watching in younger years. Um, but what I will say is I appreciated they didn't try any dumb gimmicks from the audience. Yeah. 
um, the audience wasn't, was just kind of there, but they, they weren't in, and probably they didn't have time to have gimmicks because there was so much else going on, but um, I still think the bloopers are lame. I don't think the bloopers are very good bloopers. I, how many times do we have to see people be afraid of bugs? That's all they ever show is people being afraid of bugs. Okay. So, you know, what cracks me up is, so we have Jesse acting as Chris Harrison. And what gets me is I think that they're just feeding him the exact same lines that Chris Harrison used to have. And he like delivers them very similarly too. And I'm like, have your own personality, dude. It's so weird. I don't well, know. And he That's needed to shut down. Like if Caitlin and Tasha had been there, I don't think that the, the chippiness and the screaming would have, I don't think they would have let that go as long as Jesse had no control of the room. Absolutely no control of the room. And maybe the producers didn't want him to have control over the room, but he had no control over the room. It's something. It's just, it's interesting to me because when I think about where The Bachelor started, and I mean, there's definitely been some improvements in, um, as the show has sort of gone on, but it has also, it there's been kind of a shift, I think, in terms of it doesn't feel like the same sort of like we're the pure like dating show where you're going to find true love through this. And yeah. they're going to have to rebrand if that's what they're going for. So, yeah, I don't think they are looking for love this season. No. So. Um, let's recap the fantasy suites, um, quickly. So Rachel gets the first date and Clayton tells her that he's in love with her. They shack up and then he yells that he loves her as he walks away. Gabby gets the second date. Clayton tells her that he loves her. They shack up and he yells that he loves her as he walks away. So I was reading, um, about his response to people criticizing him for saying the same thing and he like literally his defense is well like I'm one guy and I like got like my vocabulary and this is how I felt with like both of them so yeah like I said the same thing (laughs) you have Production assistants and directors and wardrobe assistants and makeup artists all available to give you things to say so that you have different words than (laughs) I am in love with you. I am one person. I got one vocabulary. I've got one feeling for all the same. You know, it doesn't say much for the state of Missouri's education system if he can only think of one way of saying love. Oh, my goodness. Come on. We got to work on our vocabulary, folks. So poor Susie is panicking because she's worried that Clayton is shacking up and telling Rachel and Gabby that he loves them, which he is. And so then after the sex wears off, Clayton's like, oh, no, I may have gotten myself into a pickle. (laughs) 
realizing that maybe he shouldn't have told two women that he loves them and then had sex with them. So what does he do? He takes Susie to dinner and proceeds to tell her that he is in love with her. And she's like, okay. Um, but do you love other people? And like, did you just have sex with them too? Because like, if I'm going to get engaged next week, that might be kind of weird and it might be a deal breaker for me. And then he rages out. (laughs) Well, and he also said he loved her the most, which is really going to fly next week when the other two find that out. Like, oh, or when they watched it last night or whenever it was on. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I think he was with he's with either of them. But if he had been, that would be a real awkward viewing. I mean, it just. It was it was rough. Um, yes, it was rough. So I'm, I have three different concepts to talk okay. about today, and I'm actually going to skip right away to concept two and we'll kind of go back. Because it's about I love you shacking up and the ethics of being the bachelor. So let's talk about this this fight that goes down between them. Um, do you think that Clayton has a point? So his his argument is if this was a deal breaker, you should have let me know this beforehand. Yeah. What do you think? So I think that they're both wrong. I think they're both in the wrong. Um, She knows the show. She knows how this works. If this was a deal breaker for her, she should have said something before they got to this point, right? Oh, yeah. His reaction was super not appropriate. That's how I felt, right? So like, I felt like on one hand, her argument, I don't know if I feel comfortable getting engaged to someone who slept with someone else a week within our engagement. I've always thought that about the show. Yeah, that's a valid thing to not be okay about. That is a valid boundary that one would want to set for oneself. So I understand and empathize with that. I also understand Clayton's point where like, if you kind of know how the show works, if that was a boundary for you, I kind of needed you to tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, But his reaction to this, to her, I mean, it's clear that like what happened is he panicked and he got really desperate. Um, and it was really ugly. And that's not how you talk to someone. I, I think that's the saddest moment is like when she's like driving away and they're normally, you know, like crying. And she's like, I just thought that like maybe we could be kinder in that Um we finally saw his personality, and his personality is problematic, like it's troublesome. If this is how he reacts, is this how he reacts every time he doesn't get his way? Like, is this the blow up that happens every time he doesn't get what he wants? 
I mean, it was clear that he felt really rejected. He felt super vulnerable and this is his reaction. And, um, you know, it's hard. I mean, I think that when you get in, in arguments as couples, like a lot of times they aren't these perfect examples of how you should like work through things. And it can be like you say things that you don't mean and you raise your voice when you don't want to. Like, I think it can just happen sometimes. But this was really hard to watch. Um, now, what about the ethics of telling telling people that you love them on the show what do you think like should they if that's how they're feeling should they reciprocate and tell them or should they be like some other people like I know have been like I'm not gonna say I love you until there's an like engagement like what do you think well I think in real life if you are a week out from your engagement and you haven't and you're not like getting married in Vegas and being like super spontaneous. If you're a week out and you've been with this person for weeks and you haven't said you love them, I don't think you should be getting engaged in a week. I feel like that's a, again, this show is so problematic because it's not how real relationships evolve and work. But I think that he, him not saying it to anyone um, but also telling all the families last week that he's starting to, because am I not right in that he pretty much told every family that he talked with last week that he was falling, he was starting to fall in love with at least two of them. So yeah. he also told family members. Um, I think, and I just think that there are so many conversations that he, he should have had with them before the fantasy suite set. Like, I mean, they had some time on the plane to Iceland, maybe pull each one of them aside and just do a quick survey. Hey, here's where we're going to Iceland. This is what happens in Iceland. Just doing a quick survey. What are your thoughts? It's, I think it's like such an interesting thing because like in the context of the show, and if you've watched the show, you know, which I would assume people on it have that like because of the time frame of these things a lot of times people don't say I love you they'll say things like I'm falling in love with you or I have really strong feelings for you so they'll try to find other ways to communicate that and it sort of is sort of reserved and now there have been a few people who I who like who are the leads that say I love you back But I think that that's why it's so powerful. And then, you know, some people have kind of talked about how it felt sort of manipulative, like, oh, I'm going to take you out to dinner. I'm going to say I love you. So now you're going to sleep with me. Um, Caitlin Bristow has kind of come out and defended Clayton a little. Okay. Um, she, She said, you know, when you are in that position it's really hard and she's like you really do try to just compartmentalize and focus on the relationship that's in front of you and you want to just be honest and sort of share how you're feeling and so she was defending his choice to have sex with multiple people 
you know, mm-hmm. she's like, look at the purpose of the show is to explore things. And I am sort of interested to see the other two women's reaction next week when he lets them know. Well, and I think that, I don't think that it's the, um, I, I think they're, I mean, it was pretty obvious that Rachel like realized when Gabby came back with the fabulous bedhead and was like, Hey guys, what's going on? She, she, I mean, it was kind of like, Oh, he slept with her too. Like, did they, I just, I just don't know. I, I think that they kind of get what's going to happen, but they really don't understand how it's going to affect them until and Susie had to see it twice, we think, if they filmed in the order, um, in that order. So I'm surprised this kind of thing doesn't happen every season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is, you know, Gabby on her date with Clayton said, you know, like, I really do want you to explore other women because then at the end, when you choose me, I like know that you've chose me and you've really considered your other options. And Mm -hmm. I like, I do think, so that's why I'm somewhat interested to see, like, that's one thing in theory, right? I do think that that's, that sounds really nice. Like, I Mm want to believe that I would be cool with that. But I do think that it's a little bit different. I would not. (laughs) Right. Right. I think there's a difference between like, what you want to imagine you'd be cool with and like when it's in your face, what you'd actually be okay with. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's, I will say the, uh, I love you thing is a tough one. Cause I feel like if someone's being vulnerable and is there with, you know, like with you, if that's really how you feel it, like reciprocating, that does seem like a pretty natural thing but in the context of this very unnatural show, um, I feel like it communicates, I'm choosing you. And so, I don't know. Tough stuff. You want to talk about mean girls? Nice girls? Yes. Safe bitches? <laughs> little bitch. Well, so I like, yeah, little bitch. I, I got really intrigued by this part where, oh, I don't, was it Hunter maybe that was talking about how, um, well, Shanae, if we were nice to you, you would tell us that we are a two-faced, but then if we acted this way, then we were, then we were bitches and this sort of like double bind. And I got to thinking about, I was like, oh, I want to go look at Mean Girl Scholarship because research on main girls was kind of all it was quite trendy especially in the early 2000s and at the time it was sort of like oh women are mean too boys you know like boys have this way of expressing um their anger at each other and like women are mean too and sometimes that might be even more violent in certain ways oh, yeah. problematic mm-hmm And what was really interesting, though, is this scholarship did kind of create almost this moral panic, right? That, oh, no, girls are mean. And maybe their meanness, like they might be violent, too. And so who was writing this? Who was surprised by this scholarship? 
Like who was doing the research and being like, oh my gosh, because had they never been in middle school or high school? (laughs) Well, I think that there is this idea in some ways that like, I, I think that there's a difference between what people maybe experienced and sort of like ideal notions of like girlhood, right? And I think there was still this idea that girls were kind of sweet and that boys were like aggressive and they're like, well, women have, women have always been aggressive. Just how they communicate that aggression is differently or is yeah. different. But then like what that created is sort of like this moral panic in some ways. Like, oh, what if femininity isn't sort of like what we thought that it would, you know, and there is like kind of this moral panic about women becoming too aggressive. And and some of this, of course, was blamed on feminism, too, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But um, then a lot of research also came out that said, uh statistically like because then it was like women are women are becoming more and more violent like physically too and they're like and getting into crime and you know all this other stuff and people are like eh, hold your horses like actually like there's really not been any change in like I was gonna say women and crime and things like that and so um what's kind of interesting now is like I wonder what kind of scholarship is emerging around these issues I mean there's it did result in I think some really important work around bullying and creating visibility around bullying and the mental health effects of bullying in schools um so I think that that's really helpful um but what we are sort of seeing now is so the concept of masculinity and we like hear the concept of toxic masculinity is people are kind of looking into femininity and sort of recognizing that there are hierarchies of femininity. So there's different ways of it being feminine that are more um, embraced than others. Um, But feminists especially are very reluctant in scholarship to use the concept of toxic femininity because it's sort of been co-opted by when men's rights groups. So like, they're sort of like, oh yeah, well, women are toxic too, right? And they're like, yeah. And and it's also been kind of fascinating because then you think of like Hillary Clinton and being like called like a nasty woman and interesting research on how women, how sort of like mean girls in some ways ended up getting sort of blamed or feminists were held accountable for that. Oh, you know, they're asserting their agency. They're, you know, trying to um, usurp usurp power. And like, that's because- Setting boundaries. Yes, yes. And that that this is somehow, um, yeah. So there's been some kind of interesting terminology arising such as like hostile femininity or um, pariah femininity is really interesting. And that's where it's um, kind of almost a rejection of femininity, but still embracing the feminine. So actually the best example of like pariah femininity that I've read is um, roller derby. So Mm -hmm. you have, you know, 
skates on. You might wear fishnet hose, maybe short shorts. Um, you have like your roller derby name. That's oftentimes um, awesome. Totally awesome. And (laughs) challenging um, notions of femininity. So like there's things like fishnet and short shorts that are like feminine, right? They're very feminist and embracing um, sexuality, but then at the same time, like really strong bodies that are like bumping up against each other and aggressive and yet like they're also on skates. And so it's kind of this interesting um, simultaneous like embrace and challenge of femininity. Um, and so I don't know. I think it's interesting. Um, I want to learn more about some of these, some of this research that's come out because um, I think that it's really interesting. Um, and it's interesting to me how it's playing out in these women tell all where it's sort of women fighting about sort of, oh, I'm screaming and fighting, but it's about me protecting you from toxic Shanae. Mm-hmm. So you're being toxic to pre- pre- to protect from toxic. Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know. You wouldn't be like that. What's what's that? You know who wouldn't be like that? Who? Kelly Kapowski. Absolutely. So Kim's got on a pretty red shirt right now. Tell us about. I thought because we were talking about such like angry and um, ugly topics of girls, girl on girl crime, and girl on girl shouting, and boys being problematic that I would bring Kelly Kapowski to the conversation because she is pure and holy. Go Kelly Kapowski. Remember when it was like kind of a big deal when what's the actor's name that played Tiffany? Tiffany Amber Thiessen. She went to this place and everybody lost their minds. Yes. Yes. That was a moment in time. And she played a fun character on Melrose Place. Or no, not Melrose Place. Was she on 90210? It was 90210. 90210. But she still played a really fun, like, anti-Kelly Kapowski. And you could tell she was having a blast playing that character. Probably. So I want to talk a little bit about our predictions of what happens next week. Sure. But Mm -hmm. before we do that, can you do your wild card? Sure. I'm jumping out of order today. Yeah, that's cool. I'm living on the edge. Ooh, I wrote notes because I kind of did this at 10 o'clock last night. And so it's, um, it's, I wanted to, so the wild card is the concept of the walk of shame because kind of we saw Clayton do two walks of shame back to his hotel. And we saw the girls come in after they were done with the messier and the, you know, the swollen lips and the afterglow. Gabby, especially. She's adorable in the morning, by the way. <laughs> Gabby. Um, but so I wanted to talk a little bit about the concept of the walk of shame and why it's so sexist. Um, so the walk of Webster's Dictionary defines walk of shame as no, it doesn't. I didn't look it up on Webster's Dictionary, but 
So for those of you who don't know, or maybe English isn't your first language, you're like, walk of shame. I have no idea what you're talking about. Walk of shame. Shout out to our international listeners, by the way. That's crazy. Um, the walk of shame is a slang term that usually describes a person, usually a woman, who is making her way home from spending the night at someone else's house for a sexual encounter. And they're like, what you picture is a woman with her hair all messed up. Maybe her makeup's a little blurred. She's in last night's super fun club dress, carrying her heels um, and her and like her purse and walking. Which, you know, probably in the bigger cities, I think around here, it's mostly in your car, like walking to your car, if you can find your car, walking to your car and driving home. Um, and the the phrase is believed to have begun on college campuses. I couldn't find a year when it started, but I'm guessing um, maybe if it's not a more recent term, maybe in like the 80s or 90s when women had a little bit more um freedom on college campuses than they did in the before times. Um, but I found, I found a daily beast article. So I, Danielle and Bill go for the scholastic journals and the article and I, I read the daily beast. Um, so (laughs) they, they talk about the iconic image of a woman in the disheveled hair and the clothes, but it's not her appearance that makes her, uh, trot home in shame but that her appearance lets others know she probably had sex. And for that, she should be shamed. So it's still this puritanical, like girls need to, you know, not have sex before marriage or only, you know, not have, not have fun at night and stay, um, stay good. And then there's, um, there's, on, in the article, there's a link that you can order. They talked about they talked about a link uh, on a website where you can order a walk of shame kit, um, so that you can that comes with that has all the ingredients to cover up your behavior with clean clothes and flip flops, so no one suspects. But it's absolutely geared toward women. There, it's not geared toward men who would be doing walks of shame. Um, and so I just I wanted to talk a little bit about like. The concept of the walk of shame, I, we've seen it in, um, you know, TV and movies. One of my favorite um, New Girl episodes, if for those of you who are New Girl fans, is called Walk of Shame. And it's Jess and Cece coming home in the morning and the car gets towed. So they literally have to walk home and and just the the, the shenanigans that happen because they're trying to get home after and they they keep saying it was the blowout because they got like their hair done and went out and then ended up with two, two gentlemen that they probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, and there's a walk of shame movie, which I tried to watch. I tried to do my research. I tried to watch it. I got about 40 minutes. No, I don't even think I made 40 minutes. I think I got a half an hour in and I turned it off, but it stars Elizabeth Banks, who's delightful. And I just couldn't, I couldn't, I'm sorry, Elizabeth Banks. Um, But they don't really talk about like, you know, Clayton leaves, he shouts at the balcony to both of them, same, you know, shouting up, I love you, I love you, and then he leaves, and then the girls have to come back in, and there's just this concept of why do we have to have a name for coming home after a night with someone, like, why can't it just, why why is there a name, what is happening, so I just rambled really fast for a while, Danielle, what are your thoughts on the walk of shame? Well, I think that, you know, 
I do think that it's something that we have termed that is, you know, gendered towards women. Um, that for men, it's a walk of brag, right? Like mm-hmm. there is no shame. Like there's not there shame. There is no shame. There is right. no shame. The thing that's really fascinating to me about this horrible new ritual that they're doing on The Bachelor where they keep the contestants together for this moment is like what's interesting about it is the shame isn't necessarily on the person that's coming home. Mm-hmm. The shame the other is two. for the other two that have to like witness mm-hmm. that someone else just had fun with their boyfriend. Right. Yeah. So like, it's like a really interesting. And then like, they feel like they should feel bad because they made their friends feel bad. Mm-hmm. And so it's an interesting thing because the shame isn't necessarily for having fun in this situation. The shame is that you're the one that's at home. Home. Yeah. And, but then like, then the person that had a good time is it, you know, sheepish because they then feel shameful. Yeah. Not necessarily about what they did the night before, but for making their friends feel bad about what they yeah. did before. So it's, it's kind of a complicated, lots of shaming, right? So they didn't used to do it this way. I thought that, so, so I know it started this way when they were in the COVID seasons. So before the COVID seasons, they weren't all together in the same hotel for the show. Oh, um, in fact, oh, that's I would so love dramatic. to go back and watch one of the early seasons because one, I swear that they have upped the number of women that they do um, family dates, you know, hometowns with. Um, so I think that it used to be only three people would go to hometowns and then by fantasy suites, I swear it used to only be two people. Okay. I don't know okay. when they, okay. and, and maybe I just am misremembering, but, um, I feel like it wasn't until more recently that now it's three people that you'd even have fantasy suites with. I thought that it narrowed it down to two, back in the earlier seasons but um people can like send us emails correcting me if I'm wrong and then they used to have it so like once you got to that point it was sort of like oh well this is getting serious so we're going to kind of keep them separate and they like had their own rooms and it, it sort of seemed like at that point the contestants didn't really interact with each other And since COVID, I think that they couldn't have them at different places, you know, so they were all in that, you know, the same thing. And like this happened. And I think they're like, oh, well, that made for a really awkward and good television. And they've just kept doing it. I don't like it. Which I think is part of what I really do feel like this show as a whole is sort of shifting. It used to kind of be this, like, we're the more pure people are really here looking for love. Look at all these relationships that have lasted and it doesn't feel quite like that anymore. Yeah. 
And I mean, I think some of it's beyond their control, right? Like I do think that with digital media and the way in which this is now something that people can gain fame around. It's mm-hmm. just, have you read that? Like, apparently um, the part of Clayton's response to Susie was that he felt that she was setting herself up for the bachelorette spot and a ton of people online. I did, that was not my perception at all. Mm-mm. Um, but it was really interesting to me how many people online also perceived that. Interesting. Okay. That they saw her as, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting nervous about this stuff, but also if I just kind of bow out now and seem like, this like, you know, that I'm a really strong, like I'm in the position of the person that's oftentimes chosen for bachelorette. And I just, I didn't perceive that. And I think that there is this element of distrust between the lead and a lot of the contestants now, because they don't, you know, I think there's always been some of that with these shows, but I think that it's really intensified with the fact that like being an influencer is something that can make you money. Yeah. Well, they like the bachelor data, Instagram, they talk about Instagram follower increases every week after the episode. Yes. Bachelor data, by the way, is amazing. Um, you should follow her. Um, she does great, great work and yeah. very informational. <laughs> um, but sure. I mean, I do, I think that that it like, it's a really interesting between that. And I think some of the choices then that the franchise has made, um, it feels like sort of a shift. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to close down this conversation because we want to get to predictions, but all I'm going to say is um, if we have to still give a name to something that we shouldn't, because it's no big deal. We should call it a trek of power. Yeah. Yeah. Trek of power. I love that. Trek of power. Trek of power. Get it, girlfriends. Um, so I want to know your predictions. I have my own. I mean, I I think we can both agree we think it's gonna be a wreck. I don't know how they're gonna make two nights of like, why are we making this a two-night thing? Cut your losses, call it, call it good, be done. Especially if they're both two hour episodes. I don't, I can't. I don't I'm, have time for that. To do I was like, I was like, I'm going to have to wake up at five this morning just to finish watching The Bachelor because there's so yeah, much of it. It's so much. Um, I think that I'm, I'm. I'm a little interested to see who is the surprise. They, they've talked about someone shows up. And the funny stuff on Instagram shows pictures of Blake. <laughs> surprise. I love it. Which I wouldn't be mad about if Blake showed up in this situation. I'd be like, fine. Okay. Um, I don't watch spoilers. Do you? I don't look at spoilers. You don't, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I honestly don't know. I don't think he'll be engaged at the end of it. 
Um, I'm going to be really mad if they name him the bachelor for another season. Cause I've seen rumors about that and that will no. that. No, oh, like it wasn't successful. Not. Let's try it again. No, that would be a plummet for the ratings. I cannot imagine them doing that. So I kind of wonder, cause I'm, I, there is like a part of me that's like, why saying that he loves them both and that he's had sex with both of them? Why does this cause them to cry so much? And so there's like a part of me that I'm wondering if he tells them that. And then it's like, but I love Susie the most. And so that's I'm why done. Cry. Yeah. And that's why they're crying. Yeah. I don't think him and Susie get back together though. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine him saying. Not if he's trying to go on the back, be the next bachelorette. Yeah. I just can't imagine his response. I don't know. And I can't, I don't think that things work out well. You know, it's bad when like your dad's disappointed with you on national TV. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't, I, I think it's going to be an interesting night couple couple of nights and then will they do the after the so is the second night after the rose then maybe that's the only thing I could figure but why do you need two hours of after the rose I could see the final episode taking two hours I cannot and then like a one hour afterwards like a solid Monday night yeah I don't know it's a lot this is a a lot There's way too much attention being put on this season for how non-exciting it has. Like, it's been so focused on so few people the whole time. Like, the first half was all the Dementor, and then the second half has just been, like, lumpy. I don't know. You know what keeps me coming back? The mystery is not who does he fall in love with, who does he end up at the end. I keep coming back because I'm like, I want answers to why they chose him as the bachelor. Right. So I think like that is the mystery I'm trying to solve. And I don't think we're ever going to get it solved. I don't. And I I think think that that's also why it's unsatisfying to us as viewers, because I think, I think in a lot of ways, like it is playing out what happens on so many of the seasons but the reason that it's letting us down this time is because we're like we can, I want to know answers as to why Clayton was chosen and he's yeah. been like so kind of boring and it, it's funny because at the women tell all when they just all let him have it I was feeling actually pretty empathetic towards him I was like oh this poor guy is just kind of a doofus. He's in over his head. Like there's nothing necessarily wrong with him. And then he talked to Susie like that. And I was like, I get it. This is why all these women are talking to you like that. Cause they know what goes down and they ain't happy. Yep. Well, and every single person on that show is on that show to get famous. I don't care what they say. They're not, they might be there for love, but also to get famous. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, y'all buckle up. One more week. Only four short hours left. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh my goodness. Um, 
So before we leave today, I do want to offer a shout out to our listeners, <laughs> Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Yay, Monk's Corner. Yay, Monk's Corner. Thanks for listening. It's apparently a, a southern um, and charming little town of about 8,000 people, not too, too far from Charleston. Nice. Have lovely hospitality there um based off of my internet search so go go to their chamber of commerce page i sure did (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so thanks for listening mom's corner and we'll see the rest of you on or listen to talk to you i don't know whatever this thing is (laughs) bye You have been listening to Batchademia with your hosts, Danielle Dick McGue, Kim Hanna, and Bill Henney. All thoughts and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the person who spoke them. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the show, leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your family, friends, colleagues, and other ardent Bachelor fans. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at Bachadamia at gmail.com. Or on the Twitter with the handle at Bachadamia. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening.